out of your godforsaken mind. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bite the Hand That Feeds You, the podcast where we critique, decolonize, and unpack representations of identity and culture in the media and other parts of society. That was a really big mouthful. I'm really sorry for how long that sentence was. Um, but yeah, we're back from our little hiatus. Oh, it appears that we have a guest with us today. Uh, everybody, welcome. Um, and this is the wonderful Agosa. Agosa, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're here today. Well, thanks for having me, Izzy. Um, so I'm one half of the Ladies of Decorum podcast with um, Ghetto and I, where we just we just speak about trash, really. But, you know, from the lens of two Christian girls just trying to figure things out. And I'm currently a master's student in scotland so that's about yeah what i'm doing right now and you know here in in our hometown i won't say where but yeah <laughs> she's not trying to drop the location she doesn't want any of you guys coming for her in case Sorry. we end up getting cancelled we're out uh, here but yeah yeah well if you must know she's at buckingham palace that is where she's uh, yeah. you know reporting from today but yeah our girl has accolades degrees all sorts um and it's a shame ghetto can't be with us here today but maybe another time so um do you want to tell them a little bit of what we're here to discuss give them a little warning um yeah okay so we both watched the the the, the inter that interview as it has been stated that interview with um megan harry and oprah and when we were watching it we afterwards we were like bruh we need to discuss this because there was just so much that was just brought up and so many things and even like the response in person afterwards like so much like that could that needed to be discussed so yeah we're just gonna be unpacking all that Mm-hmm. Yes, we have uh, we've been on Twitter timelines long enough that we are now experts in this subject. So we're gonna be, you know, feeding some of that back to you. Without much further ado, I guess like Agosa, did you actually what did you watch the interview? Like what what day did you watch it? And like what was your experience? I guess where were you when it happened? Yeah, I watched um, the it the it when it came out on ITV on Monday at nine pm. Um, so I had been waiting, I like I couldn't wait for the interview to come out. So I got some of my family members together and we all sat down and we, you know, we got comfortable and then we just started going and watching the interview. And I think we didn't know really what to expect. I mean, I had more of an of um, understanding because I'd seen so many things on Twitter already, but I think watching it from beginning to end, like in its entirety, it really was like very engaging and even I was speaking to Ghetto and Ghetto was like oh I was just planning to watch like the first few minutes and maybe watch it later but she was like I couldn't stop watching it so yeah so I made sure to like be fully focused when I was watching it no distractions and yeah paused it a number of times with my family and like discussed what we had just heard but yeah, yeah that was what I, where I was nice nice yeah and it was thanks to you actually that I got to watch it twice and I actually, I wasn't expecting to watch it. I was kind of thinking, oh, this is something I can just like pick up on the timeline the day after. They might not even say anything that interesting. 
but I'm glad I did because I was just hooked. And then, yeah, and then on the Monday night, I watched it with my flatmate and we ended up pausing and discussing for like hours. I think we started watching it at like nine and then we finished at like 1 a.m. It oh, was that day. Wow. <laughs> But yeah, no, it was, it was quality. And I actually, I at least respect ITV for not cutting out any parts. Yes. Because I was ready for the remix. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, I didn't, I couldn't trust them. Yeah, true. But um, yeah, I guess like, where, where do you even start? I guess like the, I guess like one of the biggest things for me is the fact that everyone acts so surprised that there were allegations of, uh, racism, right? Because I guess if you haven't watched it, well, first of all, if you haven't watched it at all, don't even listen to this podcast. Just go and watch it in full because you won't understand or really be able to speak on it until you've heard it in context. Um, that's one of the things. But the second thing is like how surprised everyone is of the allegations that have come forward. Um, as you know, Meghan Markle, Prince Harry, they're royals and they had a child called Archie. And there were allegations um, from Meghan that there were conversations by the royal family um, that were like concerns over the color of um, Archie, uh, his skin, mm. and whether that was going to have an impact on whether he had like a royal title and security and all these things. And everyone just acts shocked. <laughs> like, um, I don't know, Gus, were you surprised at all or what? What did you think? Um, I I don't think yeah I wasn't surprised. I think maybe what um, surprised me was the fact that whoever had told Harry this was it. It sounds like it was a family member, and I don't I don't know what how he. I don't know. I don't. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know how that family member expected that comment to come across as. Like it just seems like something. It can't be taken any other way than the way it is, especially when you're like his wife is biracial. So I know a lot of people are trying to compare it to um like parents wondering what eye color their child is going to have and things like that. But it's not really the same like at all in my opinion so it wasn't shocking but I guess that family member who said it to him I just wonder what how if they thought that Harry wouldn't tell his wife or yeah like if Harry would just keep it quiet and wouldn't talk about it with his wife if Harry even saw an issue with it like I don't I, I want to know why that comment was made and why they thought that was appropriate to ask the father like the father of this unborn child so yeah not surprised though not surprised mm -hmm. yeah no exactly it's like that, that's actually a good point is like why did that person feel so comfortable voicing that to harry yeah. that's another thing like i feel like harry's just being pointed as this savior and like the perfect husband mm -hmm. but you have to think like why why is that conversation so easily being had mm -hmm. um and you know purposely them saying it to Harry and then to Meghan, not straight to Meghan's face. Like, you know that there's something that might potentially be taken the wrong way, yeah. um, quote unquote wrong way. Um, if you're saying it straight to her, that's why you're going to Harry first. Exactly. Um, but yeah, and I think it's, you're right. It's not 
I've seen a lot of people try and compare it to like just natural curiosity, wanting to know the color of like the eyes or like how the child's just going to look. But it's different because it's also like the context of it all. It's being asked by a member of the royal family to begin with. And the royal family itself is rooted as an institution in white supremacy, colonialism and racism. Like they like the royal family founded colonialism. Like they they started that shit. So to think that the family that began colonialism and got all of its riches from the profits of that it's like you think there's going to be no lasting impacts um of that it's just i don't know how people can overlook that but yeah yeah, it's it's pretty shocking yeah i think that's a good point you brought up like so many people are like they're they're really shocked by the the allegations that and the things that megan brought up but historically like you're saying fundamentally it is built on the backs of people of color so yeah i I, like this whole tainting of the bloodline and things like that like how is that not something that they would probably still believe in and like probably they they do probably have those worries and that's probably why they were bringing up that issue about archie because as long as i guess he doesn't look too black maybe it will be a bit more you know classifiable or whatever but yeah you're very right about that point for sure yeah and it's the fact that this conversation was happening around the same time there's a conversation about his title and his like his security privileges and things like that like Mm. people are saying like oh why is Megan jumping to conclusions but it's like if you're a pregnant mother and you're hearing about these two things happening at the same time and you're already getting like racist harassment in the press and the rest of like the British public mm-hmm. then why wouldn't you make that assumption um yeah it's just, just a lot of things don't really add up to me but um what would you say was the most surprising part of the interview for you then if that if that part wasn't too much of a surprise um what would you say really took you back um what surprised me the most was um the fact that she went to members of the firm or the institution she went to the institution asked them for help that you know she's suffering her mental health is suffering things like that and that they literally disregarded her i think that's uh, that's that's like shocking to me like and she was on top of that she was pregnant as well she's in a country that you know she's not from she does she's given up her life for freedom basically and she's come here and she's not she's and she's being hounded by the press very unjustly very unfairly and she's saying she's having a hard time and they don't give her any help that to me was really really shocking like really really shocking but like i can't imagine it at all like it's i don't know to me that doesn't sound right at all but yeah yeah and it's even like the like she she felt trapped right like mm. even in the palace like everyone's like oh you were in the palace like oh that's such, like oh what a shame for you you know like having to be locked down in the palace while the rest of us have been you know locked down during corona and people mm. were kind of mad when she made that comparison but it is it's a different level because yeah she's in the palace but she had to hand over and she had said like her keys her passport her id mm. um I can't remember whether or not she said her phone, but like 
all those things like that amount of like handing over your property and like the right to your identity over to these people it's like that's a really really big deal yeah um yeah and it's not like just being in any palace with like the like your family around you right yeah. there's hundreds of people working there and you don't know whether they all have the best intentions or whatever mm. so yeah i i would hate to be in that position and you can just tell the whole time while she's saying it she's just like reliving it and mm. i mean like yeah I, but i like overall i feel like oprah did a really good job of handling all that except from the point where she decided to plug her podcast about mental health like right after yeah. megan had could i want to say confess because it's not something to be ashamed of but yeah. spoke out about her suicidal ideation like wow. oh, it's just like well you've been working on a podcast lately yeah that was with a good one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think one of the things that i don't know that i'm always hearing about is um people are trying to like almost portray her to be some like man snatcher or gold digger or whatever it is and she like they she mentioned that if it, if she had been protected like she had like she had expected to be that they would still be working it out in britain that they would still be there so people are trying to say that her plan from day one was always to like get everything she wanted and just dip out the country it, it, it's not true like it's she she although she said she wasn't like she was a bit naive in you know what it would mean to be a princess or whatever she was ready to give up her life for harry she did i mean so i don't know i, I think a lot of people a lot of, Brit of the british public they seem to have some i don't know if this is just about um would you just say it's foreigners or non-white foreigners or whatever they think about us that they just that we just want to come here and just take and take and go back or whatever it is but it is a bit of a i don't know it's a very nasty way of looking at people who are not british especially but yeah 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 and i think it's like it's weird as well because she wasn't just some random person coming in like she mm -hmm. had a whole career like i'm about you but i love suits like yeah. that made me want to be a lawyer but i just watched it too late so i couldn't make you know <laughs> career decisions then but yeah like she she had a whole career in the u.s she had she already had money like yeah why would she she could marry into any money why would she have married a prince knowing all the things that come with it very true but at the same time maybe she didn't as i don't know like i believe ev pretty much everything she says the only bit i don't believe is that she didn't look up this guy before she started meeting his family or marrying into the family like i get she can i feel like yeah i feel like there's a way to be like oh i didn't get that like starstruck by the royal family but you don't have to say that you just didn't know anything yeah because even, even when you're dating someone new, you, you, you do a bit of a of a Google search. Exactly. You try to find out as much as you can. And they're not even princes or anything. So yeah, I, I don't... Something about that was like, okay, you, you really didn't know anything about nothing. Okay, all right. 
Yeah, I love how uh, like Oprah was just like, obviously you don't read shit, so I'm just gonna tell you. <laughs> like Oprah was just not impressed at all. I was I'm so here for it. But, but again, I guess that I guess in a way, it kind of stamps out any argument that people have that she is lying completely or she crafted the whole interview perfectly because. If I was her publicist or anyone else for that matter, you would not tell her to say that in the interview. You know what I mean? It's like there's bits throughout that are just like I I don't think that this was catered to one towards one particular audience. Like I genuinely think it's the whole truth because there's moments which kind of go up and down mm-hmm. and it's not like they're trying to paint a perfect picture. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that's that's my take. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um yeah. yeah. I had I had a, th- a thought like so you know how Harry comes in like about I think halfway or so. Do you think he should have been there or said more throughout the interview? Or was this kind of more of he was letting Megan just really utterly just tell her truth without him being there? Mm. That's a good question actually. Um Yeah, I mean I think as as much as the interview is framed as Megan and Harry, it's mainly about Megan, right? Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I just that, that actually hadn't occurred to me why he came in at that particular time. To be honest, like I don't really understand much of the structuring of the interview with like, you know, the chickens just kind of like chopped and screwed in at oh, random intervals. <laughs> And the adverts as well. At one point, I just saw Drake, like State Farm, just showing up on my screen, and I was like, "Okay, I'll take oh, it." Oh, the American version would have been so funny to see. <laughs> no, the adverts were kit like, and you know, Britain is just not used to American adverts, and like, you know, because like, I mean, you've also like uh, been to America a number of times, um, yeah. so like we've seen TV there. It's just so different to the UK. It's absolutely um, not. Yeah, no, the timeline was going crazy for it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what what do you think, though, about him coming on then, like? So, I almost wish we had maybe seen more of him. And I say that because seeing as he, it's his family one, and he, she's married into his family, and a lot of the, is, all of her issues really surrounding her time in Britain was to do with, you know, her association to his family. I think it would have been nice for him to have been there more. But at the same time, I understand that, you know, she was talking about her experience. But I also really, I also like, there's a lot of people, especially in Britain, who whatever she says, they were not going to believe it anyways. So I almost wish he had been there more times to co- kind of co-sign and like chime in a bit and be like, yeah, you know, just to say, like, just to reassure the unbelievers that you know he is here as well he agrees with what she's saying but at the same time he did say he was behind the scenes and he was seeing what was going on and so when he came on he would have addressed anything that he thought was not right or was misconstrued or whatever so as much as it would have been maybe nice to see him more and maybe some of those doubtful thomases would have believed more it coming from harry it, it was her story and again they're married and he like they both decided to do this interview together so it's not like 
he's, he wasn't aware of, you know, the stuff that they may end up discussing and things like that. But No, but it's true, because I think in a way, by making it just her and Oprah at the beginning, it kind of isolates her again and makes her the center of any criticism like right away mm. um i think but at the same time like i don't know i think if harry had been there throughout like one of the biggest things that the british public and the media have been like saying and criticizing her a lot for is like her controlling influence and them like watching for the body language of her like grabbing his hand and like looking to him and just all these little things so mm-hmm. it might have caused a bigger distraction in a way because i do think like from what i've seen on twitter anyone that talks about like harry's bit um like a lot of the kind of right or conservative leading people have been like that's what they've been like screenshotting and talking about yeah. um but yeah i don't know i i feel like yeah harry's an interesting one i i don't know i i still don't really kind of know my opinion on him like yeah. His presence in the interview, something about it was just kind of weird. Yeah, him and Oprah had this like weird tension. Like, I love how she was just interrupting a whole prince. <laughs> like, she just did not care. She said, like, I do not care who the hell you are. We're just, yeah. yeah. Americans love them. <laughs> yeah, but but to be fair, like, it's kind of funny because like Megan will be like, I'm respectfully not saying anything. And then the next, then Oprah will be like, Harry, and he's like, <laughs> like let me spill it off. So yeah, it's good in that way. Yeah. Um. So when I've been, I was seeing a comment. Um. People are like, why should we be sympathetic to some millionaires? And so, what? Like, why do you think we should be sympathetic, or do you think we should be sympathetic, or like, you know, how? What do you think we should feel towards? I guess what she's been through and what they've been through. Um, I feel like the whole point is that we shouldn't just be sympathetic towards them because of their royalness or their good looks or anything like that. It's it's not about that. Like, you should just be sympathetic towards anybody who has ever been suicidal or ever had to deal with mental health or like being cancelled on social media or anything like that. Like, that's just something that on a human level you would think people can connect to. Mm-hmm. So. Sorry, I'm getting a call. Wait. Hello? Kendar, <laughs> what the? What? What's going on? Is this, is this the, bite, the hand that, the feet, the hand, the, it was something, I forgot what's the name again? Well, I don't know. Sorry, do you have another podcast that you have to crash? Is this, are you getting mixed up? Is yeah. there? Well, you don't know, like so many podcasts to be crashing right now. Bro, Zay, what's good? I got stuff. Bro, goody. <laughs> Are you outside big ass Tesco? Like, no. I hear it's being renovated. The Westfield Mall. <laughs> the what? Yo. Yo, that could be like a new Harrods or even a new, like, um, you know, like a Knightsbridge, like part two. Very close. Another branch there, you know? You're right, you're right. What are you guys talking about? Well, well, what were we talking about before you so kindly interrupted us? Well, Sorry. we before we got silenced, we <laughs> were uh, speaking of the Meghan and Harry uh, fiasco. Oh, I so, see. That those, the, hence the background of Agosto. That makes sense. 
You know what's funny? I actually just watched it recently, like just last night. Um, so I'm still processing it. Um, a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. Um, in some parts, I really liked. Um, op- uh, I was gonna say opera, opera. Um, but then there's been some points where I thought she she was a bit like specifically like when she was really pushing keep bringing up Megan's like really triggering memories um i thought it was it was already so hard for her to talk about and she kept asking it again and again um which i thought was a bit like you know it's already something so hard to talk about but other than that it's yeah what what have your thoughts have been on it yeah there were times where i felt almost uncomfortable watching it it yeah. was like what is like reading someone's diary but they yes. didn't say like no questions off topics so i'm you know i'm sure that at the end of the day no matter how uncomfortable she looked she wouldn't have said anything unless she fully like you know cleared it but yeah no we were yeah we were kind of loving Oprah and how she was just like calling out um i don't know like cuz i just asked a ghost of this right of like do you believe that she didn't look up harry what's on google like she didn't know about the royal family cuz oprah was like since you don't read things that was yeah cuz megan was like, i've never looked him up I, and i i i did us spill it i was like lies lies there's <laughs> i don't believe that like i believe megan in every other way and i respect her and i love her but like girl not once yeah not once or like a youtube video have you seen his compilations of like harry being just like a cheeky lad on youtube those are my favorites no the only one i've seen of him is when he does that whole and then he runs the plane oh okay no i see that no that one's a good one so but yeah there's another one that's really good he's just yeah but and i also i really loved harry in terms of like like connecting i i thought what was really powerful when he, he was talking about how in these past couple of months he's really felt like that like his mom's energy has been with him like his pres- her presence i thought that was so beautiful um and yeah i just i just wanted to give both of them a hug the whole time i just wanted to hug them cuz it must have been so hard but then also when they were talking about like oh we didn't know what to do we were financially cut off i was like boy you'll be fine like <laughs> both of you guys will be fine you guys have money you have savings yeah yeah no that's that's actually a good point to bring up cuz it goes to just ask me like why do you think we should be sympathetic to billionaires you know what i like billionaires millionaires whatever like cuz mm. a lot of people are like oh feel for them um i don't know it's like For me, everyone's asking the question of like why should we be sympathetic to them? But the one of the reasons that everyone's railing against Harry and Meghan in the first place is because of their sympathy for the queen and mm-hmm. everybody else in the royal family who is also a billionaire and millionaire. So like very true. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And I also was very curious about like why they were loving Lizzo so much, like Big Liz, like they loved her. But then they cut right, I was like and I feel like that must have been part of the contract for them to go to be like you can talk shit about everybody else but you can't talk bad about the crowd like the oh, queen you, you, you uh, that's that, that is my conspiracy and I can leave you guys with that Ooh. okay 
Or imagine if Ghetto was here as well. Yeah. For those who don't know, because I feel like you just burst in here and started, you know, speaking on things. Pendar is um, uh, another person who me and Nikos. I say another person. That makes me sound like. <laughs> makes it just sound like a random. Just some no. other. Am I? Am I next gal? Is that what you're saying? I'm just <laughs> some other. Literally, this girl. Uh, we all went to high school together, so hence why there is familiarity between these these people. But uh, thank you so much, Pendar, for making time to be with us. There's no worries. Thank you for letting me interrupt and bring some um, chaos in here. Some tea. No, of course. Um, of back course. to your regularly scheduled podcast. Bye. Thank Love you. and solidarity. I don't remember, but one thing that she mentioned just now um, that I think would be interesting to talk about is the the adamant clarification that the that Queen Elizabeth, like the Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip, were not involved. Like, leave them out of it. Leave them out of it. You can assume everything else, but don't assume these two people. Um, I guess maybe there was something signed, but I just think it's ultimately that there's if there's anything that's probably not going to be forgivable would be to say something about the crown and her husband so yeah and i've heard like i think it was dr shola i don't know if you watched the good morning brits one of the good morning britain interviews with our friend you know that guy that left um (laughs) one thing she kept saying was you know she is the crown and also his grandmother and they have a good relationship like harry always says so why could she not have fought more for them and i don't really know the workings the work how it works in there but i'm guessing she's probably the most one of like the most policed into like in terms of you know what she can and can't do what she can and can't say and so i think it i think i understand where they're coming from where the you know when she says what type of grandmother would let this and this happen. I understand that. But I also feel like there's less pressure for her, his brother, William, or or his dad, Charles, to have, you know, to have addressed issues. And in terms of the story about Megan making Kate cry, that's something that could easily have been cleared up. Mm-hmm. But it was like, it was purposely left to fester so as to create, just to tarnish her reputation from the get-go. So I don't know. There was definitely some some shysty business going on towards her, yeah. and evident, I think. Yeah, the whole Kate stuff—it's just—it's so—it's so dodgy, and like you know the direct comparisons and everything, and like all I've seen a bunch of articles as well that have said, you know, the same people that put out the headlines about like Kate um, crying and things like that. Oh, no, no, no. The same people that were doing the headlines about Megan or whatever are the same, like, used to be um, William and Kate's, like, press person and things like that. So it's like there's all these connections that go back and it just doesn't add up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And, and, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, like, when she, she seemed pretty reluctant to mention that thing about Kate as well. Mm. And... It just makes me wonder how much more is she not saying because if she's being so reluctant with these big pieces of information then what is it that she's not saying and i think like that's what came across in this interview is there's a lot of people being like i'm shocked with what she said 
but I'm also kind of shocked at like her reluctance and the silences that she made as well. Like I think her silences on certain things speak, um, yeah, speak volumes. And it's one of those things that we're all gonna have certain information on and certain awareness of, but we're not gonna fully have it until mm. years to come, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, the whole cake thing is that typical um, event of white women tears, you know? And, and weaponizing that and recognizing that the press is always going to favor her compared to Megan due to race and due to other things. So, and, and, and you know, it's one thing for that to happen. Like, it's not Kate's fault that that happens necessarily, but it is her fault to not step up and, you know, speak on it and help protect her and extend, you know, like um, some kind of protection or support. And that's just not there. So, yeah, Very yeah, true. but yeah, honestly, oh, wait, oh yeah, something else I was thinking about was what do you think about them choosing not to name names about who made the the racist comment about the color of skin? Because there's That's some so people funny. saying certain things on the TL about that. Mm. Um, I wanted to hear your take. Yeah, that's so funny you mentioned that because I was I was gonna ask you that same question right now. Yeah, so um I think so what I wrote here is I said um those saying she should have name dropped don't understand the impact I guess that would have had. I think there's as bad as people are saying the the interview makes the monarchy look right now, if she had name dropped. I don't know it would have been chaos one and two i don't even think for the people who already don't believe her i don't think that would have made a difference anyways like someone like piers morgan saying he doesn't believe her and then saying why doesn't she name drop even if she name dropped he wouldn't have believed anyways and on top of that he would have even called her interview more of a disgrace so i think these people that are telling her to name drop are don't understand the impact that would have had on their life that really would have impacted the monarchy and then those people that wanted to name drop either way whatever she said they, it was not going to be something that would have helped her in the long run and it wouldn't have changed their opinions anyways so it would be very interesting to know it would be because right now it is just like hearsay about people just naming different family members who they think said it at the same time, I can understand why she wouldn't name drop because I think that would be so hard to come back from. And it is Harry's family at the end of the day. And he was very, very reluctant to talk about the whole situation, like at yeah, all. He was, he was very protective, like understandably, yeah. you know, yeah. like, and that's that's something where I'm like, on the one hand, I wish that he'd said more, but I'm also like, he's literally betraying his family and everything that he ever knew. So I also see that. And but back to what you said, like, I think that while I agree with you mm -hmm. that naming names would have caused a bigger deal, you know, more of a media uproar in a way um, and bigger consequences, let's say, actually, mm -hmm. um, I think I think that there's a little bit more agency in their decision not to name names. I think it's partly a strategic thing and mm. that's not in a negative way because I think often when you talk about strategy with these things, it's painted as all oh, these people are manipulative. But I think 
it's kind of one extra thing in their pocket that they can bring out if they choose to, if things get really bad. But uh, yeah, Dr. Shola on uh, <laughs> Great Minute Morning Britain, Good Morning Britain, was the fun, like, that just made my day because at 7.30 a.m. she is not only just cussing out Piers Morgan, but she is, in addition, bringing out the big guns. Like, she's calling out Prince Andrew and his pedophilia on, like, national TV and all the rest. And, like, I remember I was watching it with somebody else and they were like, but she's just yelling. Like, it's hard. Like, I don't think that's helping her. I was like, no, I think it's the opposite because I once got like in this internship I was on, mm-hmm. I got media training and it was specifically media like political training for a TV interview type thing. And one of the things the interviewee, uh, the interviewer told us was that if you have someone that that's, that's that aggressive at you and constantly talking over you, as much as it's good to stay calm and things, sometimes you have to meet them at that energy and at that level and just keep yeah. saying what you're saying. Because if you actually listen and respond to them as if they're like a sane or a normal interviewer, they're just going to control the whole situation. I actually think she did a really good job in that interview. And like, there's not that many people I've seen that do a good job in interviews against Piers Morgan because he's just so aggressive. But I think her and Monroe uh, Bergdorf do really, really good jobs um, when they're against him. And Susanna Reid was just like, Standing up, sitting at the side, like she was gripping her mug with all her life. Like this woman knew that she was a, like, I don't know. What do you think of Susanna Reed? Like her. She's the enabler. She's she's most British. Most British people, or most people who say they are allies, um, and don't. I don't know. I don't know how to say it, but she she's the type of person that when she's probably with someone else, she'll probably just allow it, but then may come to you on the other, like behind closed doors and be like, that wasn't right. And I think that type of behavior is just as detrimental, maybe even worse than someone like a, like, someone like a Piers Morgan, who is just very aggressive, very outright, very forthright in what they say. I think it's funny that she always says on Twitter that she she stated she doesn't agree with him, that she does talk back to him. It's like, you don't though, but you don't. It's like the energy she gives to it. It's like when you're in a class and you're given different, pers- like kind of different sides of the argument to be on, right? And you get given the one that you actually disagree with, but you have to pretend just for the sake of the grade that you're gonna back it. That is the energy she gives to any counter arguments she makes to peers. And it's just like eternally giving us nothing. It's n- like, it's mm. less than nothing. It's, yeah. re- it's the reverse, it's regressive. Like, mm. I just, and I, I don't know, do you think she is aware, I guess, of what she's doing? Cause I, cause I think she is. And it's like, in a way, she she's like she's almost more important than Piers is because if Piers had his own show and he was just saying that you couldn't really say it was a news show you just say oh it's his talk show but the presence of other people around who are 
simulating giving an opposing side legitimizes what he says because it puts those two sides of the argument or whatever on a level playing field in like a very superficial way when in reality nothing like that is happening because yeah. if you really were to have someone on the other side you'd have like Ash Sarkar or like somebody else on there like someone mm. that actually knows what they're talking about mm. um, and has the guts yeah. to say it like <laughs> Yeah. And I guess saying that, I'm I'm so grateful for what Alex Beresford, um, mm. Tuesday or Monday or whatever day that was, where he just stated how it was, how he what he had heard from peers was just abhorrent, like it was terrible. And he's a co-host, right? Yeah. So people know. Yeah. Oh yes, co-host. Sorry. And I don't. Pierce couldn't handle it. He like he had. He, it was like he was forced to listen or whatever, like and not interrupt. But he couldn't handle it, and he walked off stage. And I think that just shows how much he was not willing to, or how much Susanna was not actually providing that other that other point of view. Because someone mentioned, someone says something that he doesn't agree with, and he walks off of set. But if Susanna is saying that she's always opposing, um peers then how how is that possible how would you be reacting in that in that way so yeah i think she's just an enabler um and she just wants she doesn't want to be vilified either or like either way and so she just keeps quiet so i don't know she's just not she she doesn't do anything for the show really but yeah it's, it's some loaded silence, I think. But mm-hmm. but yeah, you're right. I think what Alex, uh, the good, the great morning, uh, good morning, Britain show uh, co-host said on on the show the other day, it was really powerful. And I think in a lot of ways, it was the last straw. And in case people didn't watch it, um, basically this co-host, um, well, he had criticized peers about a number of other things leading up to this part in the broadcast, but mm-hmm. he kind of exposed him and was like look i know you used to have a personal relationship to megan markle and she cut you off but she's allowed to cut you off like you don't have to do all of this just because you're bitter and he's basically like bro bro, she just doesn't want you just dead it and pierce was having none of that you could tell it was like ultimate humiliation obviously something that everyone on set already knew like that pre-existing relationship but no one ever had the guts to bring it out and i think he was just so shook that alex actually said that that he was like nope nope and it's just the irony of like him criticizing megan for being so weak and such a snowflake or whatever and so many other people that as well that he can't take 30 seconds of direct criticism on his own show it's just Mm. It speaks volumes. Yeah. And, yeah. And like, what do you think about him deciding to quit and leave Good Morning Britain after all of this? I think he should have actually been fired because by letting him resign, he's able to now, I guess, find, like, find, he's, Something I heard yesterday is that um, that um, Kalechi, I don't, she has. Oh yeah. Kalechi, yeah. Um, I forgot the name of her podcast, but yeah, she's a actress, podcaster, different things. And so one thing that she said is that a lot of white men, they, 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 um, their punishment is something of a higher standard. So like the the uh, i forgot the name of the journal the reporter or the radio host that called that 
you know that picture of the monkey and like when she had her baby when Megan had her baby and he posted a picture of two people holding a monkey and basically tried to say that it wasn't it wasn't racist it was like historical and he didn't mean to he didn't see it in that way at all or whatever he posted that so he got fired or he resigned or whatever but now he's in a higher paying job he's in like a higher position and so what she was saying is that a lot of these men a lot of white men went their punishment is something they're rewarded for their punishment basically so a lot of people are already um expecting peers to possibly get his own show or work work for like a british fox news or something like that and so i think by being given the ability to resign it just itv's enabling him like it's not true punishment in my opinion but i think in terms of him being at least forced to resign i think it's it's it was it was it was not that it's too late but he's done a lot already on that show in terms of race in terms of people's mental health in ter- like attacking people all the time so i think it is a bit interest i, I think this time it couldn't go unnoticed because of all the complaints but they he has been enabled on that show for years for ages and so he's going to get something probably better after his career with good morning britain and that's just the sad truth to be honest yeah and i think you know your comparison um of like there being a fox news britain like in britain like i i'm really as much as i don't want peers to have that kind of um the kind of platform that he did on good morning britain mm-hmm. you know i think there's also danger in us transitioning towards the level of polarization and just uh, that there is in the US with the media versus mm-hmm. here like yes here it is shit it's been shit but it's going to in it, many ways it'll be 10 times worse because he's not leaving as someone that doesn't already have money connections power and such he's leaving as someone that has all that and probably has a backup gig waiting for him you know it's and then all of those people build 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 and you know everyone's acting like oh no one listens to him a lot of people listen to him like i don't know if you saw i i don't follow him on twitter but i saw a tweet that he put out today and he was like just letting you know yesterday good morning britain got more ratings than bbc news has uh, like for the first time ever he's like my job here is done mm. and that's the thing it's like you know i don't think he's not racist right but at the end of the day the thing that rules his life the most is the profit motive and making money and wealth and power and mm. if he has to go like utilize his racism to get that he's going to do that so you're right he he fails upwards he falls up mm-hmm. the stairs rather than down them and it's it's just it's so infuriating for so many people that that's happening um but one thing that i've picked up that i haven't really seen people talk about Mm-hmm. is so everyone's kind of assumed that ITV has let him leave right because of the whole Meghan Markle filing a complaint and Ofcom complaints and things like that about what he said on the show regarding suicide and race and things but we're all making an assumption right now that this is related to the Meghan Markle situation that his leave is completely being dictated by that and the timing of it suggests that right Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you saw but early on Tuesday morning I think it was 
in the broadcast, he was making some really suggestive and disgusting comments to one of the lady show hosts mm. um, on on the show about how short her skirt was. And she was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's summer. And he's like, no, but that's not appropriate. And then he was like, oh, I'm not complaining and things like that. And that's what he's saying on air. What is he not saying off air, you know? And it just made me think like, how do we not know that there's a sexual harassment or abuse claim that's sitting there or has been sitting there or cases that have building up for years or other things, other reasons why he's leaving. Like it makes sense optics wise that he's leaving right now, but I wouldn't be so quick to jump to the conclusion that it's purely because Meghan Markle has filed a complaint. Like, and we have, and the thing is we have no way of actually confirming this at this point. Mm-hmm. There's no way. And so like, we'll probably find out in a few years or a few months or whatever. Um, but if I was to have any conspiracy theory about all of this, that would be one of them. That there's something much deeper. As deep as this is, I think there's more sitting there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and it's, it's a good point as well. Where is he going to go next? That's what should be the biggest worry, yeah. I think. Um, yeah it's uh it's strange but I, but yeah i think this whole thing of his obsession with Meghan markle mm-hmm. is also really scary because um i'm going to include in the link uh for this like the link tree for this episode an interview of him on the late late show a few years ago i think it was back in 2013 where he talks about Meghan markle ghosting him and Basically, he talks about her DMing him one day after he had followed her and a few other Suits people. And she was like, oh, I'm so excited you're following me, all of these things. Um, and she had sent him like some of the Suits scripts. They like got to know each other. And then they met at Wimbledon because of both of their connections to Serena Williams. And eventually she asked him out for a drink, supposedly. They went out for a drink. And then when he put her in the cab home, um, she ended up going to a dinner with Prince Harry, right? And he and he's just like, yeah, she just ghosted me. And then immediately he's like, oh, and he's like, oh, she's a nice girl, but clearly she's a social climber. You know, she's manipulative. And like, before I say my bit on what I think of that in relation to all of it, like, what what do you think? I don't know if you've seen that interview, but yeah. I watched a snippet from it. I haven't actually watched the full interview, but I think that (laughs) I just love that that video is out there because I think it just proves that whatever he has against Megan is deeper than what he is. He states or what the public knows. The public just think, you know, he just likes to say there's something about her. You know, she's a snowflake. She's this, that, and third. But really, he's not saying that he has a personal vendetta against her because of he thinks she's a social climber because she, like Alex said, she has a right to not speak with you anymore or to cut you off. So I think it is important to, I think I, I love that that video is out there because you can actually see in 2013 what he has already thought about her before she was even um, attached to the crown or attached to the monarchy. And so for him to come out now and basically try and say that his viewpoint on Megan is to do with XYZ. It's like, no, no, it's not really. It's really not. It's, this is personal. And you're leading a lot of people astray and a lot of people who have 
who have um maybe um who are racist or have racist tendencies or whatever reasons they have for hating her think that you're supporting their viewpoints but really you're coming from a place of deep hurt and you're you're enabling other people so i don't know i think he needs he needs to be honest with his feelings and honest with his true intent and like his true feelings towards her and i think that's the reason probably why he stormed off because when alex was mentioning all this because he that part was really what got to him nothing else it was the fact that she's allowed to cut you off and in terms of her and being she, a social climber i don't like what what <laughs> but here's the thing right so mm-hmm. even even if she did do all those things like let's let's assume that he's telling the truth in this right yeah in show business in creative you know industries and things like that this is literally what people do this is what they call networking is meeting mm-hmm. up for drinks or you know sending their script or sending their like a demo of their music or sending like a snippet of their next show because you want certain journalists and people in the know to have awareness of what you're doing leading up to it you mm-hmm. have to plant those seeds like he's seeing it per- like fully from a personal lens which makes no sense because he should know business he's been in show business a while now mm-hmm. so how can you not separate those how, how are you still struggling to separate those two things mm-hmm. like clearly like i i don't call it social climbing i would call it doing your job mm-hmm. doing what she did if that is what she did like you would never just show up to a shoot an audition a gig an interview or anything without making some kind of connection for it without planting some kind of seed like that's one or one so i think you know there's that or alternatively she could just be playing him and a city girls up one um and for that i can make no comment you know like <laughs> that's that's not me that's not for me to say but yeah it is really scary how, the lengths that men will go to because you live rent free in their head and you've rejected them mm. like it's really scary what they can do on the other side like literally trying to turn the world against you and like literally end your life it's just yeah mm. and like did you see um Megan's dad come on ITV because they brought her dad Thomas Markle on did you see it i saw i saw a clip of it i haven't watched the full thing yet but it's it's literally like he doesn't help himself she's literally the reason why you guys are not speaking anymore is because you keep going to the press and and she doesn't want you to do that and then him basically having that like ultimatum that either you speak to me or i continue to have interviews and i continue mm-hmm. to talk about you what father does that 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 who truly is pretending at least to love their 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 daughter it's yeah it's be and then it has to be like Piers Morgan with Piers Morgan like are you trying to dig the knife even further like i don't know i don't know how he thought that could he's not coming well, from a place of love but yeah do you think he's telling the truth at all in anything he's saying Do you think he's purposely saying things in a certain way or do you think that they have a negative relationship already? He is saying things from his experience. He's just gotten to the point where he's like I'm not gonna you know, I don't know. I feel like the relationship probably wasn't too great to begin with. 
I can't I, I can't assume I don't know anything but at least from I think I heard I heard a while ago about how some of her own like half siblings would say kind of racist comments towards her and stuff like that and so if that's your children I, I don't know I don't think the relationship would have been the strongest before and then with so maybe what he's saying is from is is what happened I don't, I'm not sure but I don't think I think he's just attention he's just seeking attention because I don't think the relationship was that great like beforehand I think he just thinks as her father he's meant to basically reap the rewards uh whatever rewards he thinks there is of her being married to a prince but I don't know about him he's he's an interesting character what do you think though this is the thing it's like I don't I almost I, I don't know if I believe him or not mm-hmm. um I think it's very likely that from his experience and the lens he views the world he is telling the truth type thing you know what I mean like mm-hmm. Um, and I do, I can imagine that for someone like him, that amount of press attention, yeah, that would be huge. And I can see why that would be a factor for like, it doesn't excuse what he did, but I can see, I can see why someone gradually just, you know, with miscommunication, misunderstandings, things escalate, things escalate and the media just jump at you. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just I don't think he should have been interviewed po- like point blank because you could tell, um, regardless of how horrible he's been to her, that emotionally that was just not something that you would discuss on live air. Like it made me so uncomfortable to watch someone in that state because um, I never I never want to use mental health as a thing of like as a way of branching someone as incapable of speaking about something, right? But you can tell that he's emotionally at least not in the right place like not clear-headed to be able to be speaking on what he's speaking on like he's it's just yeah it just felt like itv doing another mad one on mental illness and just like taking advantage of someone at their lowest because yeah i i don't know but yeah it is it's really mad it's it, it's sad you know it's it's sad that it gets to that point um but yeah. yeah i mean she he did sell her out to the to the press and things so we'll 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 never know mm-hmm. but um but yeah and the final thing about thomas marco was you know irrespective of everything else there's this point in the interview on good morning britain where he says well you know when he's asked about her committing suicide would you have you know like not trying to commit suicide or thinking of suicide and they're like how do you feel he's like obviously i'm you know really sad to hear that um but she could have come to any of us she could have come to any of her family members like it's not like she couldn't have said anything and that to me was like a little crack right that seeps through because yeah he might be upset or whatever but if you are in a mental health like situation specifically about committing like wanting to commit suicide like that is a very hard thing to even admit to yourself and then so for someone for the first thing for someone to say to you is why didn't you say anything to me 
and start to put kind of that guilt or that blame on you and a responsibility for you to report it to them or like as some kind of way of like saying something about your relationship like that is one of the worst things that you could say to someone who has you know suicidal ideation is be like oh but what about me why don't you say anything to me it's just so insincere mm. um but yeah but you know going onwards another point that i was gonna ask you about was this invisible contract that uh harry brings up towards the end of the interview so he talks about like this invisible contract between the media industry the quote-unquote firm and the royal family so kind of hinting at very deep state like there's more behind the scenes type shit so what like what did you think about that like what what were your initial thoughts when he was speaking on it um i was almost i was almost like i knew it because um from the crown they did kind of hint at something like that one and two the proximity that the pre the press or the entitlement i should say that the press feel that they have towards the royal family would imply that there is some sort of relationship that has been formed where they would think that what megan trying to megan and harry trying to and i guess control their their um outlook their um their publicity and things like that would anger them so him mentioning that was like a th- yeah like that makes a lot of sense um and then saying you know his family is trapped in it i can understand that and i guess they said all of this goes through the firm which um i was wondering if you had any more information on the firm because the way it was kind of portrayed was like some like ominous society like organization or something but Mm, I'm mm. no I'm glad you brought that up because you know I always have the receipts uh, <laughs> on these things. I did a little bit of digging and uh, yeah, again in the link tree you get you guys will find like video clips, articles that I found about this specifically. Um there's not too much on it to be honest. Um it takes a little while to get stuff. But um you know King George the 6th back in the day once said the British royals are not a family, we're a firm. So there's this whole like that that's one little piece to feed into you about um all of that but the royal institution like there's the institution and then there's the firm right mm. so the royal institution is like the royal family and all the people involved with um the royal family and their duties so this includes people from like palace aides um all the way to the communications team mm. and inside the institution is so like the institution's one thing it's like everybody in the palaces and working with them and stuff inside the institution is like the firm so the firm is senior working members of the royal family tasked with protecting the reputation of the royal family um because the idea is the queen can't do this all herself mm-hmm. so the firm includes the those most senior working members plus the offices that manage royal affairs so that's like the private secretary's office and the private secretary isn't like a lower position like a private secretary is like a ceo in the palace and then there's the privy purse the treasurer's office and things and then within the firm there's mm. this inner circle and it's called the firm of 8 and it was actually just formed in december 2020 
So that group, which is composed of royals, is chosen to publicly represent the family. And so that includes the Queen, Prince Edward and his wife Sophie, um, Kate Middleton, Prince William, Prince Charles, Camilla and Princess Anne. So notably, even, you know, having been formed in December 2020, Meghan and Harry were not included in the firm of eight. Hmm. So there's, yeah, it, throughout the interview, there's some interesting conversations about the differences between all of that. And the firm's connection to royal press and also the media in general is an interesting one. So the royal press is called the Royal Rota and they have a symbiotic relationship where the press reports extensively on the family's events and you know uh, things that it's doing in exchange for access to the palace. You know, there's a reason that the tabloids all have holiday parties at the palace. There are deep, deep connections there. Um, and so that's why during the interview, Meghan and Harry have all these conversations. They, they mentioned their dealings with the royal institution. They were begging for help from them. And that's why they're speaking to people like HR and things, because they they kind of wield that power, I guess. Um, and, you know, she, Markle had been told, um, you know, when she asked for help with suicide, they were like, there's nothing we can do to protect you because you're not a paid employee of the institution. So mm -hmm. it was kind of like very business-like. And then when she went to one of the most senior people in the household, because each of the royal family members is within a household and each of the households is like its own department almost the way it's run. So she went to one of the most senior people in her household to ask for help and they were told, and she told, that they told her that um, Megan seeking treatment in any kind of facility would be bad for the institution. And so they said, you can't do it. Um, so it was, yeah, it was kind of wild, I thought, um, that all of that occurred. And it just kind of opens your eyes as to, I don't know, like the possibility that while, while Harry and all the other royals could very well have their agency in doing the things that they're doing, maybe the royal family is really just coming to pieces and they are just, they're just so reliant on the media now that they have to depend on doing mm. things like this to stay relevant. Because, mm. um, you know, royal families, like what's, everyone always asks like, what does the royal family do anyway? Like, what's the point of it? Mm. And so they have to cling on to some kind of relevance, um, you know, something, anything, but. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So you said that the firm was only erected in 2020? No, so the firm, so the firm has always been around. Okay. Um, it's the inner circle within the firm. So that's the firm of eight that was erected in December 2020. And that was, oh. I think, I can't remember exactly why it was erected, but I believe that the idea was it's like, especially protecting the royal family's reputation type thing and like press perception. Um, and so why didn't they include Harry? Well, technically, him and Meghan weren't working royals anymore. Oh, I think that was that was the argument. Right, right. Um, but it does make you think. I don't know. Wheels are turning in my mind, you know? 
I feel, and that's the thing is like I have limited information, um, but I still have like some receipts. But hopefully, more will come out and more people will do some digging. Because um, at the moment, it kind of seems like people that are experts on the royals are only old white people and people that favor the royals. So it would be great to see like people that are able to do that digging and become experts in a way to come forward. Um, but yeah, are there any, uh, I guess before we outro, are there any people or accounts or shows or anything like that or businesses that you want to plug on our way out? Um, I guess I'll, I'll plug um, the podcast Ghetto and I have. It's called Ladies of Decorum. We say it decorum. I don't really know how it's supposed to be said. I think it's decorum. I was wondering. <laughs> I think we, we said it wrong the first time and then we just had to go with it. So late, I'll say Ladies of Decorum. Um, it's a podcast we started. It's on Spotify and all the other, all them other places. Um, yeah, I don't know what else really. I'm trying to get up my photography thing, but that is, that's taking a back burner right now as we're trying to figure out how to finish this degree. But yeah, so like, I think that's just it for now, but yeah. Okay, great. Well, y'all better check out her podcast and wish her well in finishing her degree before it finishes her. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's, that's all for today, everybody. But thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Check out all the resources and we'll be with you soon with the next episode. Peace.